Welcome back to episode 10 of Real Men Do Cry, the season one finale. This is Jaren Deutsch and Anna Amelia. Yeah, Anna hosts. Amelia <laughs> in the house. <laughs> Wanted to do more of a wrap-up type episode as we conclude season one before we start season two. And I thought the best way to do that is to first talk about the motivation to really start the podcast, Real Men Do Cry, our stories, and then our plans for season two, what to expect, when to expect it. Mm -hmm. So when COVID hit the US and the country locked down, it seemed like everyone was dealing with some type of mental health issue during the start of it, whether it was anxiety, social isolation, depression, stress, mourning, if a loved one passed due to COVID or other circumstances. And not enough people were talking about it. It was this unspoken assumption so I wanted to make sure people didn't feel alone in this and hopefully help educate them in some way as well by having a variety of guests with different backgrounds. I personally battled with severe depression and anxiety as a teenager. Around the middle of high school, I felt like I had very little control over my life. Details I won't get into here, but I found that control in what I chose to eat specifically, which was very little because I was depressed and had no appetite. This led me to almost being hospitalized because I was severely underweight. At my lowest, when I was 16 years old, I weighed 105 pounds. I had to leave my high school swim team because I wasn't physically capable of exerting the energy needed to compete. I had crippling OCD to the point where I could only do things when the minute hand was on a five or a zero. And if I missed it, then I had to wait another five minutes to get up off the couch, for example. So I had completely shut myself off from the world and um, no one knew. I was going to school like usual. I would come home and just go to my room. I didn't really talk about it with anyone. And not long after all of this started to happen, I vividly remember the night I was seconds away from taking my own life and how much of a relief it felt at the time to end it all instead of waking up the next morning. This is a feeling that Dr. Timothy Golden expressed in episode three and Andrew Jensen in episode five. Luckily, I didn't go through with it. And... After I saw a number of therapists, psychiatrists, counselors, eventually I was able to stop taking off my uh, medications during college, but I fell back into that dark place during the spring of last year when the pandemic started. And I felt that as a man, especially people weren't open to talking about their own battles with mental health. I was even nervous to share this on the podcast, but as one of the hosts, it was important for everyone to know about it uh, and my story after episode one. I had childhood friends I haven't spoken to in a decade reach out to me saying they've went through things at various points in their life and how much it resonated with them. So ultimately, I wanted to start conversations around the topic, really challenge the narrative, build a community, and defy the stigmas associated with speaking out if you're going through something, because it may be the difference between waking up tomorrow or being a statistic. So... That was my motivation to start the podcast, a little bit about my story that everyone has been asking me to share. And I want to hear why, Anna, you decided to join me on this journey. <laughs> on the, the squiggly line journey. Squiggly line. <laughs> right. Well, one, I mean, you know, thank you for sharing and for kind of your authenticity and candidness with the people. I think you have a really wonderful platform here and... Um, sharing your own personal stories and the way that the episodes have spoken to you personally, as well as to those who you're trying to reach only emphasizes those messages. And 
I would say that my story, you know, has similarities. I think a lot of us growing up battled certain things. I personally dealt with some things growing up. I think like a lot of our generation, I grew up with, you know, parents who were separated and touched briefly on it in our last episode with Amanda Stern that I really struggled with visitation and separation from my mother. And that's got a lot of layers to it, but definitely grew up pretty anxious. And I think that swung into kind of depression in high school. And actually, quite oppositely, I very much engaged in binge eating in high school and, you know, as a way to gain control, as you said, and was in and out of therapy through those years and was able to really find stable ground and move forward into college in a healthier headspace. And it wasn't until I turned 21 that I started dealing with extreme anxiety again that really uh, manifested in claustrophobia. And I think you know, now that I'm 27, I'm able to reflect back a little bit. Now that I'm 26, I don't know why I just made myself (laughs) a year older. Now that I'm 26, I'm able to reflect back a little bit and realize that I think a, a big part of my presentation of anxiety comes from a lack of control. So it's really not being able to deal with the uncertainties of life, which I think is a very common experience in everyone's life. It's very dysregulating to not know what's going to happen. And I think I might present it a little bit more of a clinical level, but, you know, I was finally at an age where I could be like, something's wrong here. And so, you know, was able to reach out to doctors and then, you know, engage in therapy in a way that was really helpful. College is when I decided I wanted to become a therapist. I started doing research in OCD and that led me to, you know, other anxiety presentations and all the way to PTSD. And um, I had kind of this very natural inclination toward research with military members and my family's military. Um, you know, my grandfather is a naval veteran, my uncle's a naval veteran, my cousin's in the army. It just kind of fit. And then when I started engaging more with the population, I just fell in love. Um, they're like the folks I really love to work with. And PTSD is unfortunately like really stigmatized within the community, but it was a really natural research fit. So when I graduated from undergrad and decided to pursue like more research in the post-bac realm before applying to clinical psychology PhD programs, I um, actually got a job working with Thomas Joyner, who's a, a very a respected um, suicidologist and researcher at Florida State, where which is my alma mater, go Knowles. And it, it opened this other door to research that I'd never really explored before. While this was happening, I had, you know, some family members battling addiction and suicidality. And it just like really brought a lot of it home for me and the importance of the work that was going on. To make a long story a little bit shorter, I went into graduate school specializing in military suicide and trauma at the University of Utah, which also is alma mater, go Utes. She's a state school educated gal. And it was actually a multitude of things occurred. But after two years, I um, actually decided to leave my clinical psych program with my master's rather than a PhD. It's normally like a six-year program. Part of why I'm in DC now and no longer in graduate school and why I can speak to some of the experience but don't necessarily have the expertise to be a clinician. But a big reason for my step back was actually I um, lost my brother to suicide two summers ago. And 
it was a little too tough to touch so intimately for a while. All to say that it's still like a big passion point for me. And that's part of what led me to this podcast. But it was over dinner with a mutual friend of Jaren and I that I was diving into my love of, you know, military suicide prevention efforts and research with, you know, a friend who's a veteran and just really speaking to all the ways in which self-harm can manifest and, you know, all the opportunities to engage with, you know, veterans and, and active duty service members about their mental health and how it's a group that is really difficult to touch. And he p- stopped me and went, hey, like I actually, my friend has this podcast that I think would do well with a co-host and you're sitting here talking about all these things that are really relevant to it. Would you be willing to have a conversation? And that <laughs> kind of led me to chatting with Jaren and us saying, hey, fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, and, and here we are. So that's the long and the short of it. But uh, you know, I think shared passion is what brought us together into this moment. And I'm really excited for what season two is going to hold for us, the conversations to be had. Likewise. Thank you for sharing that about your brother. I didn't didn't know that. Yeah, it's not hidden. It's just also not obvious. It's a tough one, but you got to keep going. There are days where I fully let myself lean in and there are days when you got to distract a little. So yeah, a lot of life change over the last couple of years, but I'm excited to be here and feel more settled and to continue in an effort that's really important to me, but may look a little different than I thought it would, you know, two years ago. Totally. Plans for season two. So as you know, this is the final episode of season one, episode 10. We are going to take a few weeks to line up interviews for next season. We want to make sure we're providing consistent and quality content for everybody. There's going to be a slight rebrand that we want to roll out properly. And then there's a few other things in the work we'll announce as season two approaches, one of which is changing the cover art. So the Anna's on it as well. Hey. You get to see my face now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, keep your eye on our social media, the social meds, as I like to say. The Instagram will have all of the relevant information and maybe some teaser changes. Yes. So thank you, everyone that has listened to, shared, and supported the podcast. Stay tuned for updates on season two coming soon. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Jaren, thanks for taking a leap of faith on me. And, uh, of course. I'm so looking forward to diving into season two with y'all. Hey guys, with some of the topics discussed in today's episode, I wanted to make sure that if you or a friend or family member are currently having thoughts or engaging in self-harm or suicidal behavior, have the resources available to you to help you through this difficult time. So first, there's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which can be reached at 1-800-273-TALK. That's T-A-L-K or 1-800-273-8255. If you're more comfortable texting, you can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. And if you're just looking for more information on resources or even how to engage a friend or family member in a conversation about their mental health or perhaps their self-harm, there are plenty of resources at the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention website, which is AFSP.org. So A is an American, F is in foundation, S is in suicide, and P is in prevention.org. Ultimately, we just want you to know that you are not alone in these experiences and suicide is not the only way out and you have a life worth living and we want to make sure that you live it.